Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Tap Podcast. It is Tuesday. Hope everybody is doing well. We are getting into the last month of the year. That is crazy. We have a good show today. We're going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers lost the Minnesota Golden Gophers on Saturday. Why it should not be excused. Why Paul Chris' seat should not be hot. But don't expect things to just remain status quo as well. We're going to talk through a variety of topics in the Badger football stratosphere. We're going to talk about Oneida adding sports betting, but why it doesn't mean much just yet. They need to do a lot more. And then we're going to do a new segment I like to call Playoff Machine Tuesdays. It's going to be a blast. You're going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, so enjoy today's show. Follow us on all the socials, tapping the keg or tapping the keg sports. Uh, also, make sure you're you're on Apple or Spotify. Rate, review, subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You guys know the deal. All right, let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. College football has had themselves a fucking week, huh? Um, this has been maybe the craziest four days of college football that I can remember in quite some time. Um, I don't really know if there is a precedent where on Saturday you had arguably one of the best days of college football that I could remember, excluding the Wisconsin Badgers, where there was a awesome football game in every window. It wasn't like one window was absolutely crazy and the rest of them were kind of a bummer. Ohio State and Michigan was as awesome of a football game as I've witnessed in a long time. That was must-see television and it delivered. You had Alabama-Auburn, which wasn't that great of a game until the fourth quarter, but again, it delivered. And then Bedlam was so drunk that you would have thought that it had started drinking at the pickle at 9 a.m. The Wisconsin Badgers were not part of that madness, though, as they lost 23-13, and they played one of their worst games of the season. I think if you were to rank the losses for Wisconsin, I think this Minnesota loss might be the worst of them all. And the reason I say that is because with Michigan, they, I think, were just outclassed in that game. I think they had run out of gas, and I think that game was not necessarily house money loss, but it was a loss where... I think it was the sum of all parts, and the Badgers just needed a fucking break, and they didn't get one. The Notre Dame loss, I think, is more annoying than it is, uh, you know, disappointing. Um, I think that game, the Badgers could have easily had won, and if they win that game, who knows what their season looks like, who knows what the trajectory of the rest of the year goes for Wisconsin. That game was in their grasp, and they just fell apart in the end. Penn State easily, again, in that same category where, a couple things break their way, and that's the Badgers' win. But the Minnesota game was the only one out of the four where they came out flat, they remained flat, and they somehow were not up for a rivalry game. And that has left a lot of people queasy. I get it. I, I totally understand that. I think that a rivalry game, you should expect the piss and vinegar. You should expect the emotion. You should expect everybody ready to play. And somehow Wisconsin did not get up for it. Whether the back-to-back weeks, not necessarily having a bye week, really impacted Wisconsin. Whether it was just the Thanksgiving week, and that week is always tough, especially on younger players. You know, they, Wisconsin is a younger team, and maybe that there were a lot of homesick guys, guys not in the right headspace where they should be. But regardless, they didn't show up. And that's something Wisconsin's going to have to live with 
for the next few weeks before they take on whatever bowl opponent they face. It's looking like they're going to go to the Outback Bowl for the umpteenth time. When you're good, though, you go to the same bowls. That's just how it is. And Wisconsin is anywhere from a Rose to an Outback. And I think I'd rather be playing there if I were a Badger fan than, like, say, the Pinstripe Bowl or the Motor City Bowl all the time. Like, that's where I think you're like, all right, changes are definitely needed. But this should not be completely shoved under the rug. We shouldn't just look at this and say, all right, this was one bad game. It happens. Shrug it off. It's one loss. I, you can't do that. It's 13 points against Minnesota with only six coming from the offense. Knowing the Big Ten title game is in your sights is really one that stinks. Look at Iowa, right? Who's going to represent the Big Ten West. Who's going to be playing Michigan on Saturday. Iowa scored 27 points against this Minnesota Golden Gopher team. Iowa was one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. And they mustered 27 points. Now I understand it was at Iowa. And maybe things are different if this was at Camp Randall. But the Badgers just simply did not match the intensity of Minnesota. And that's where P.J. Fluck, being the snake oil salesman that he is, he can get his guys up for this type of thing. This is what P.J. Fleck lives off of. Like when he's jerking off in the mirror to start his day, this is the type of stuff he's thinking about, all right? Like, and that's just not Paul Crist. That's never going to be Paul Crist. And I don't think anyone saying, I wish Paul Crist was a little more like P.J. Fleck But I think some of that piss and vinegar that you get out of Fleck is lacking from Chris. And in moments where teams can be be thinking about other stuff like Thanksgiving holiday, like the Big Ten title game and saying, all right, we're already crowned, annoyed our ass, yada, yada. That's when sometimes those piss and vinegar guys, it's really important because they can focus you in. And they didn't have that for Wisconsin. Now, there were a ton of reasons why the Badgers lost this game, right? Braylon Allen was banged up. He did not look like the same Braylon Allen that we had seen all year. Uh, There was way too much reliance on Graham Mertz, and the defense was just looking flat. If anyone was the flattest, it was that defense. Now, I think there is a fair case to be made if Colin Wilder doesn't get called for a targeting call the first play of the game. Maybe things are a little different. Maybe that set the tone. Maybe that made the Badgers think a little bit differently and they were thinking about getting targeting versus just to ball the fuck out and not worrying about things being a penalty or not being a penalty. And Tanner Morgan also wanted to win this game and Tanner Morgan looked like the better quarterback. Tanner Morgan has been much maligned, similar to Mertz, but Tanner Morgan put on his big boy pants and delivered for Minnesota. Graham Mertz did not. Graham Mertz was the guy that we saw back in September, back in October, and that's really disappointing to see Graham take a step back and not come through when he's needed. And this was the moment where Graham Mertz could have kind of shut up the haters. And I know he's done it a little bit, and we've talked about it on other shows, that did Graham Mertz really silence the haters? Was the criticism warranted? And it was. Now, I'm not saying people should be going into his Instagram comments and telling him to kill himself. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people like me and others can be critical of Graham Mertz and wonder if he's ever going to live up to the hype and if it's ever going to, you know, deliver for him. So for people that are saying, well, Paul Chris should be on the hot seat, Paul Chris shouldn't be on the hot seat. All right. 
First of all, I think everybody's a little bit edgy. I think everybody's on edge, not only because you lost to Minnesota, Michigan's going to the t- possible playoff, maybe the title game, and we'll get to that in a second because I think that's more important than you think it is. And then also, too, there's so much coaching movement going around, and I think sometimes you want to be part of the conversation. You just do things because everybody else is doing it. It's like the scene in Mean Girls. Katie Heron wore army boots and flip-flops, so I, or was it army pants and flip-flops? Fuck that up, sorry. Army pants and flip-flops, so of course I have to wear army pants and flip-flops. Like That's how I think a lot of people are looking at the sort of coaching carousel, so it's immediately like, let's put Paul Chris on that hot seat. He shouldn't be on the hot seat, all right? He's doing really well. Yeah, 2020 was rough, but that was a COVID year, and who knows what happens if the Badgers don't have a ton of COVID positives at the start of the year. He deserves a ton of credit for turning around this season uh, before the Minnesota game. The Badgers were 1-3. They looked like they were a shell of themselves. They looked like they were going to be a mediocre football team. At the end of the day, Wisconsin was ready to play for the for the Big Ten title yet again, and they fell just a little bit short. Their recruiting has been top-notch. They have a very young team right now. They only have 21 seniors. They're going to bring a ton back next year if it's not for the, the transfer portal, if it's not for going to the NFL draft. They're going to bring a ton of guys back for this next year and are going to be a top 15 team to start the season yet again. So the future is really bright with him and Jim Leonard. And Jim Leonard seems to have no inkling of leaving. Jim Leonard had all the opportunities in the world to leave leave last year and he didn't do it. And he, he did not just say, all right, I'm going to pack my bags and go and go to the next adventure. Jim Leonard seems to be here for life. Now, if there is a secret under the table deal where Paul Christ, even though he's a young guy, is like, I'm ready to kind of ride off in the subsect and I'm going to give the give the reins to Jim in the next five years, well, maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, that is, remains, remains to be seen. But Jim Leonard is definitely happy here in Madison and I don't think there's any way that Jim Leonard would leave Wisconsin. And if he did, it'd be a big story. But that's not a reason to put Paul Christ on the hot seat because of the fear that Jim Leonard may leave. We have no idea if Jim Leonard is going to be a good head coach. It's assumed he's an awesome defensive coordinator, but he runs a similar style as Mike Pettin and Rex Ryan. Those guys were not good head coaches. Rex Ryan did get the most out of his dudes, but it didn't really translate for him to be a head coach. And Dave Aranda has done a really good job. Now, I know Dave Aranda runs something a little different, but Dave Aranda also got a guy from Old Miss to run that offense. And that's part of the reason why Baylor's been so successful and why Dave Aranda's in the Big 12 title game. And if it were up to me, which I'm not making the decisions at LSU, which it's too bad, I think I would do a good job. I would have hired Dave Aranda for that job. I think that's going that'll be a, that would be a better hire than Brian Kelly. I have a lot of concerns about Brian Kelly, but I think a lot of the concerns I have about Brian Kelly is probably what people had about Nick Saban back in the day. What's this Midwest guy going to know about coaching at LSU, coaching the South? How is his demeanor going to work with LSU? I think it's just a complete 180 from Coach O, and I think a lot of people like Coach O. So to go to Brian Kelly is a lot, I think, for a lot of people, including including yours truly, even though I have no, I don't talk to any of these guys. 
It's just, I, I like LSU. I, I don't, Brian Kelly's not necessarily a guy who I like, oh man, warm and fuzzies. You don't, you just don't necessarily get that. All right. So let's stay on track. Let's talk, go bring it back to the Badgers. So yes, Jim Leonard's probably not leaving. It's, it's probably not going to be that Jim Leonard goes somewhere else and the pack, the Badgers are really screwed. But one thing that Paul Chris needs to do, and I think this is where you can say, all right, let's turn up the heat a little bit on that seat, is Mertz has to develop. He has to develop into a quarterback. And Paul Christ has is an offensive mind. He was an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He needs to work on developing Graham Mertz. And if he can't develop the, the modern-day quarterback, then he needs to ask for help. He needs to raise his hand and say, I cannot develop quarterbacks like I used to. I just, there's something about them I don't necessarily know. I don't know if it's a dual threat. I don't know if it's all the read options, but I need some help here. And bring in a guy who actually knows what he's doing in terms of quarterback development. Because I don't think Paul Christ's resume about quarterbacks and developing is all that strong. I, I don't necessarily see it. I don't know who we could point to and say, all right, yeah, they they were a totally different guy as they continued to work with Paul Chris. They're all game managers. Now, some are a little bit better than others. I'm sure there's an example here that I'm missing, which I'm gonna get called out for, but that's okay. I just think Graham Mertz had more expectations and he has not delivered. Now, it's also possible that it's Graham Mertz. It's also possible that Graham Mertz just stinks and that Graham Mertz got overrated because he played in Kansas and the level of competition in Kansas is a little bit different than the Big Ten and that if Graham Mertz was a quarterback in Ohio, maybe he would have got drafted by a Mac school and not necessarily a Big Ten school. The Badgers should 1000% be looking in the transfer portal for a quarterback. I'm not advertising for Spencer Rattler. Let me get that clear but they should be looking for a quarterback. Dylan Gabriel, probably not exactly what the Badgers would need. Uh, for the UFC, UC, UFC, UCF kid, uh, he's probably gonna go to Ole Miss anyways, but look for something somewhere where you could say that might make sense and convince a guy to go. I don't know, maybe a guy like Slovis from USC, figuring that he's gonna leave uh, Lincoln Riley. Would Slovis be a guy that you would potentially look at? Would he come to Madison? I'm not sure. But you need to put pressure on Graham Mertz and you need to kind of apply that. I know Miles Burke is coming in from Franklin, who's a really good freshman quarterback, but I don't think Miles is going to be ready out the gate. And being that he is a Wisconsin kid, I would imagine that Miles will have a little more patience than some others. So they need to have some true, honest conversations about Graham Mertz going forward because that is, to me, the only way that you're going to start solving this Badger problem is having a quarterback that you can at least rely on a little bit. And when the chips were down and Mertz got another opportunity, he failed again. And this is now the fourth time against a good team where Graham Mertz has shit the bet. Lastly, I think Paul Chris should give up play calling. I know he tried to give Joe Rudolph a job and that was not a good solution. It did not end well for Paul Chris there, but he needs to actually look externally. I'm not saying go be old Miss. I'm not saying do what Dave Aranda did and get, get an old Miss coordinator to start taking over your offense. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying go for a 
Lincoln Riley offense and get the air raid out here in Madison. Not at all. But what about Notre Dame? What about looking at what Brian Kelly has done offensively the last few years scheme-wise? What about Michigan? Look, Michigan is a better version of Wisconsin. I know that is a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of people, but if you look at the way Michigan plays football, that is exactly how I think every Badger fan wants, wants the Badgers to play. What about Cincinnati? Cincinnati runs a scheme, again, has some vibes to the Badgers. The Wisconsin offense works with Braylon Allen going full steam. But against above average teams, are we sure it's going to work? Because I don't know if we have that answer. It'll be really interesting if the Badgers draw Kentucky in the Outback Bowl. Because Kentucky has an awesome defense. And that will be a real challenge. And again, the the bright light will be on Graham Mertz. Even though it's a meaningless bowl game. Those are some of the things that I think that you have to consider with the Badgers. Because the pressure on Paul Christ will be there more than it ever has before. There's a new to AD, Chris McIntosh. Now, he's one of Barry Alvarez's guys. But the whole reason that Chris McIntosh got the job is because the boosters really liked them, him. And they think they have a voice. The AmFam CEO and other big boosters are going to try to swing their dick around. Especially if Michigan makes a run here at a national title. And you're like, Charlie, why Michigan? Why is Michigan this team to look at? Ohio State is in another stratosphere, okay? Ohio State is not what Wisconsin can be. They're just never going to be that team. But Michigan, even though they're a blue blood, Michigan does everything that you'd want the Badgers to do. And so if Michigan ends up getting to the national championship game and playing Georgia, and it's close, and it's a battle, and it's a fight, and it's first to 15 wins... There will be Badger boosters texting each other saying, why can't this be us? And Paul Chris has to be ready for that. The Badgers have a long road ahead of them. And Paul Chris needs to do a little bit of soul searching. The seat isn't hot yet. But if they come through with nothing out of Mertz, Allen, and many other talented recruits, you got to start raising some questions. Because while it's nice that Paul Christ isn't mentioned in any of the coaching rumors, it's kind of weird too, isn't it? Shifting gears here, let's talk about the Oneida Casino allowing sports gambling. Congrats, it has now hit Wisconsin. Wisconsin will allow sports gambling in the Oneida Casino up in Green Bay. It is for basically Packer games. That is what it's being designed for. That's why Oneida got it through. You'll be able to bet on Oneida's app but you'll only be able to do it inside the casino. So anytime you're making a bet for the game, it has to be done inside the casino or on a phone inside the casino as well. I imagine that Oneida will not be the last tribe. I imagine Potawatomi will get it soon, being they have a large presence in Milwaukee. They have to be next. If they're not next, it'll be Ho-Chunk because Ho-Chunk has Wisconsin Dells. I think that is an ample opportunity to provide a betting venue. But my question is, is any of this ready? Is Oneida really ready for this? If Oneida was smart about this, first of all, I would not be getting this story from Rachel Hopmeyer, a news reporter out of Green Bay. No disrespect to Rachel. I, she 
think she does a good job. A good job. I don't follow her on Twitter. I've, I've seen her around, right? So I'm not trying to discredit Rachel's story. But what I'm saying is, how the fuck do you have no PR blitz for this? How is there no energy around this? How is there no celebration? You're doing. You're opening it up Tuesday after a Packer game, and it's a bye week. I guess maybe that's by design to try to work through all the kinks. Get yourself ready for Packers-Bears, which you're going to probably get a large amount of action. But everybody will have to go to the casino to make the bet. And that's where I think you're going to run into a lot of problems. I think from the start, that's going to be what they're going to do. And every tribe will follow suit. Every tribe will figure it out. Every tribe will have their own version of this. But what they will end up seeing is that people will not want to go to the casino to bet on a regular basis. They're not going to drive to Potawatomi to lay down five bets for the NBA tonight. They're not going to do that and go through the college basketball slate and pick out games that they want to bet. They do it on their phone. That's easy to do on the phone, easy to do mobily at home. They don't want to do it at a casino. They don't want to move. For future bets, for Super Bowls, for big events like horse racing, yeah, you'll get a ton of action. But for the everyday gambler, this really limits them. And they're going to run into problems. So what type of solutions could you come up with? Number one, if I was Potawatomi, I would be working tirelessly with the Deer District to figure out a geofencing inside the Deer District. That is the first thing I would do. I have no idea how the laws work here. Let me just point that out. I'm not a fucking lawyer, all right? So I have no idea if this would be able to work. But if Potawatomi could figure out how to geofence to the Deer District and to, let's say, Miller Park, AmFam. I keep calling Miller Park. AmFam. It's not like one of those like weird digs or whatever. It's like, it's always Miller Park to me. It's just, it's easier off the tongue. So anyways, AmFam Field to, to Deer District. Geofence that whole fucking thing because Potawatomi is right in the middle of it. Then people can bet on their phones heading into the Bucks game. People can bet on their phones heading into Marquette. People can bet on, on live when they're watching the Brewers and they're fucking bored. Then you can run advertisements and say, place your bets, get your bets ready. And you just have a little bit more coordinated effort. Or if you're watching the game, you have the ability, or down at the Deer District, you have the ability to bet on the Bucks. To me, that is the best way forward. Having it at the casino makes no sense. And I know that the tribes are going to get messy here. Because how are you going to make this work for mobile betting? I don't really see a pathway through. I guess the only way through would be different counties, different tribes get that that revenue. But I don't even know how that's fair. Or maybe it's a collective bargaining agreement. They all go in together. They create their own app. Or they let people like FanDuel, DraftKings, Barstool, MGM, fucking win. I mean, there's so many of them now. You let a few in. And then that's your way through. And you open the door for those. And maybe this is just step one. But it's a long way to go. We are nowhere near the end game with sports betting in Wisconsin. It's good to see this. But I fear that 
it's going to be a long time before we're fully functional and a place like Barstool or a place like FanDuel is actually in our state. I think it's going to be years. I don't think it's going to be just an immediate fix. And who knows? At some point, isn't there going to be a backlash to gambling? At some point, are we going to start seeing a backlash? Because that there will be someone who says, maybe this is wrong. But I don't know. Maybe not. A lot of people are making money. And sometimes when you're making money, you do not give a single fuck about it. I will say this about it. It's not an immediate, I need to go up to Green Bay and make sure that I place some bets and everything like that. There is none of that in me. And I don't think a lot of people are going to feel that way. So that's where I go back to the PR and the marketing of this all and think about how haphazardly this was this was developed. Even though it was probably not a good idea to have the Packer game first day experience not work out for you, they could have done this a lot better. They could have said, all right, we're going to host a watch party for Marquette in Wisconsin and our sports book is going to open up at 10 a.m. and we're going to have a brunch and there will be table games available if you want to play a little blackjack before the game. Like, why not, right? I know Marquette in Wisconsin is not a big deal outside of the state, but find, or outside of like southeastern Wisconsin, but find something to latch on to. Or say, we're going to host people, you have a free bet, uh, $20 free bet for, you know, the NFL games on Sunday. And we'll have complimentary food and drink. And oh yeah, you'll have table games available. Like, I just feel like there needs to be a little bit more there than, hey, we have sports gambling, woohoo. It's some reporter reporting it out on it and saying, all right, yeah, you can't actually gamble in Green Bay. It's just going to be inside the casino. I will bet top dollar that Potawatomi does not have a similar thing. Potawatomi does a pretty good job marketing themselves all across the city. And I would imagine that whenever Potawatomi decides to get this up and running, would not be surprised if it's before the Super Bowl, that they're going to bring a heavy marketing artillery. And if they want help, I know a few guys that are willing to make sure that it gets marketed the right way. Just saying. Just saying. Just trying to help the people, man. Uh, the Snowtap WI, or not Snowtap WI. I I still will always, I think, call it Snowtap forever. But Tabby the Keg, uh, betting preview presented by Potawatomi Sportsbook. Sounds kind of good, right? No, I, don't, I don't hate it. Don't hate it at all, my friends. All right, let's go to our last topic of the day. Our last topic of the day is a fun one. Uh, we Every Tuesday, I think it's going to be every Tuesday at least, or Wednesday, I'm going to play around with the playoff machine and tell you where the Packers will end up by my projections. These are simply my projections. This is my dumb brain looking at every game and saying this team's going to win and this team's going to lose. And does it get biased at certain points? Absolutely, right? Like at some point you're like, well, maybe Tampa Bay could lose this game. And then you end up sort of seeing the pathway clear for the Green Bay Packers. Now, every week it will change. I don't think I'll get the same results next week because there could be losses or wins that happen this next week that I do not expect, that I predicted to go one way, it goes another way. So who knows? 
Right now, I have the Green Bay Packers finishing with a 13-4 record. The one loss is to the Baltimore Ravens, which I will bet your bottom dollar becomes a primetime game. Uh, the primetime game for that weekend is Rams and Seahawks. And I think after this Monday night game, they will try like hell to never have the Seahawks in a primetime spot again. So here's what we're looking at. The Packers are 13-4. They do clinch the first round bye. It is going to be an absolute fight to the finish between Green Bay, Arizona, and Tampa Bay. There is not much separation, and Tampa Bay has the inside path. That, to me, is very scary. It's very scary to me that Tampa Bay has what I think is the easiest schedule, and therefore they can easily make themselves the number one seed when this is all said and done. It would not surprise me if I continue to do this sort of exercise and Tampa Bay ends up being the ones on top in certain weeks. And that would suck because I do think it'll be really hard to beat Tampa Bay at their own stadium. They've looked unstoppable there and their hardest games the rest of the way, Buffalo and New Orleans are both at home. And the games on the road are Atlanta, Carolina, the Jets. Are they really gonna stub their toe in one of those? I predicted that they do, but it, the odds are it probably will not happen. So if the Packers are 13-4 and four and do have that bye, that works out for a lot of things. Number one, home field advantage at Lambeau Field. We love that. That's going to be key. If you listen to yesterday's show, we, we basically spent the first 15 minutes talking through that. So make sure you go back and listen to that. Number two... It means that I am absolved of worrying about the Packers playoff game when I'm flying back from Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii the 8th through the 15th, and it would be really nice not to have to worry about the Packers. We would be there with a a bye week. That would be great. Um, So that's number two. But looking at the opponents, looking at what the NFC would look like, I'll give you the AFC too, um, just if you're curious. Uh, Number two would be Tampa Bay. They would be playing the seven-seeded New Orleans Saints uh, in a matchup I think we've seen far too often. Um, it seems to be a regular primetime game. I think the next one's on NBC. I think you'll get this as like a noon start. Probably not. Probably 325 because it's Tom Brady. Also, don't forget there's a Monday night fucking playoff game this year. It's too much football. <laughs> it just just is. And I have to. we have to deal with Steve Levy and Brian Greasy calling a playoff game. That's terrible. On the three versus the six, this might surprise you. Arizona against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams have a pretty tough schedule down the stretch, and I have not seen a lot that I like from the Rams thus far. That would be another rematch. As my projections have it, the Rams will be trying not to lose to Arizona for a third time. I think my brain would kind of combust because I've always thought Cliff Kingsbury has been this sort of loser. Uh, to think Cliff Kingsbury would beat Sean McVay three times in a year would be kind of mind-numbing stuff. Then the four versus five is an old-time rivalry. You're guaranteed the lock 720 NBC game. Mitch loves to tell me that the Saturday night game is not the primetime game. We fought about this. It is our new Carlos Gomez is a power hitter argument. Uh, Dallas-San Francisco. And that would be would, would be the winner would likely play the Packers. And then there is a very good chance that if it goes chalk, we have Rodgers versus McCarthy 
uh, in round number two, which would be something else. And if it didn't didn't go chalk, you could get Packers Niners, you could get Packers Rams again, or you could get Packers Saints. And I know the Packers would probably want the Saints in the worst kind of way to pay them back for what they did in week number one. But yes, Tampa is the team that you need to watch out for because if Tampa doesn't stumble, we could all be in really big trouble. Uh, for the other one, other side, just because you're curious, and I know you are, how I projected out, Baltimore, number one seed, uh, number two, New England playing Buffalo, uh, rematch there, Tennessee, Los Angeles, pretty bizarre. That's a noon start if I've ever heard one, or that's your Monday night game. And then Kansas City, Cincinnati, which would be a lot of fun. Kansas City, Cincinnati would be an absolute blast. They play each other, actually, this upcoming uh, December in Cincinnati. So th- that, those would be some fun, fun playoff games. I also want to do a segment. It's not today. It's probably not in a few weeks. But I, I want to do a like a seeding all 16 teams, or 14 teams, excuse me, and just saying, fuck AFC, NFC, what would happen? How would it break down? Where would the Packers path be? How do you like that versus, you know, your normal, you know, NFC, AFC stuff? What would the Super Bowl be? How would that, how would that shape up? That'd be a, it's going to be a fun exercise. We'll do that as the months wane and we have less and less topics to talk about as we get closer to like Christmas and things like that. And you guys just need kind of content like that. We'll be able to provide it. All right. That does it for our show. Back tomorrow with Mitch. We'll talk bye weeks. We'll talk the Red Hot Bucks. The Brewers, death taxes, and the Brewers not doing anything when they need to. That will also be discussed. Who knows what else? Maybe there'll be a coaching carousel thing for Mitch and I to get involved with. Marquette, Wisconsin will do probably Friday. That'll probably be a Friday show with the betting previews and stuff like that. Um, actually, we don't have a betting preview because the Badgers don't play. I don't think we'll have a line on Marquette, Wisconsin. So that will definitely be our Friday show. No question about it. We'll have that as our Friday show. And then Thursday, who knows? We'll have, we'll have at least Bucks Hornets to talk about. And who knows what else? All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. Back tomorrow. All right, see ya. Bye.